Here we are. We made it. Episode 100. This is triple digits for us. To all those out there who said we couldn't do it. You probably didn't tell us that because we didn't hear it, but we're going to invent that people didn't think we could do it because I think inventing motivation is one of the top things you can do whenever you're doing anything related to sports. They said that we could not do it. I have the squeaky chair again. Yeah. (laughs) Someone was moving, and so they left a nice chair for me. Right. And they've taken it, which is a little rude of them because I was starting to get used to the non-squeaky chair. Yeah. So if you hear me squeaking... You know what that means. You know what that means. That they it's it's the people who thought we couldn't make it to 100 episodes. They're <laughs> sabotaging your chair. Yeah, 100 episodes, though. I mean, uh, when we got this thing rolling, first of all, it was not good. The first episode, audio quality, was really bad. Um, Did we share a microphone for that one? I think we shared a microphone in that one. We, cause, one that you gamed with. <laughs> yep, yep. That was the old one I used. And we... Uh, at that point in time, like we had wanted to get going and we wanted to get started, but like we didn't have the equipment that we were used to having. And secondly, uh, that was at the time where like everybody on planet Earth was buying microphones. I forgot about that. Yeah, it was hard to get stuff because everyone was like, "What will I do?" It was during a global pandemic. Right. I'll start a podcast. Everyone wants to hear my internal monologue. And it felt like there was a lot, especially around here, of like teachers buying it because of like, uh, oh yeah, that's uh, probably true. You know, school and 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 uh, I mean, students were probably doing it as well. So, I love the idea of a student being like, the teacher's got to hear my answer about eighth grade geography. Clearly, I was thinking college students, but okay. I like my example. More. Yeah, like a sixth grader just being like. If Mrs. Smith can't hear me say my alphabet. How do you think sixth graders... What do you think people are doing in sixth grade, Painter? Well, alphabet? Just, just because my timeline is oh, different okay, than right, yours. Right, right, right. We, right. Could, we can't all That's grow true. up in the uh, illustrious op education system. Yeah. <laughs> you do realize you went to Auburn, right? <laughs> it's a fine place to live. Well, yeah, but also the school system's... Pretty good. Really good, yeah. So... Yeah, 100 episodes. We didn't think... I know I didn't think it would have taken off like it did. And and I and I don't know how you felt, but... Um, I was super confident. People have always <laughs> enjoyed the endeavors that I do. That's true. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, right off the top, uh, since we're obsessed with round numbers and benchmarks and stuff like that, uh, thank you guys for helping us get to 100 uh, episodes. If no one listened to no one cared, we wouldn't have been to this point. Uh, but uh, enough of you keep listening, and enough of you keep subscribing. So we we really pre- we really appreciate it. And we'll probably do another bigger spill, you know, later in the episode when we do our plugs. But wanted to open with that, and I also wanted to open with this. It's a question from our dear friend Josh Black. So I I did a fantasy football draft yesterday, so I've got fantasy football on the mind. Uh, by the way. Defending league champion, no big deal. Uh, won a lot of money, no big deal. Um, <laughs> Stunting. Yeah, I got I got Derrick Henry with my first pick, which I'm oh, very man. excited. I haven't had Derrick Henry in a league before, and that's about the closest thing to a guarantee that you can get. Speaking of which, I have not heard this take. It will start happening at some point. He's had a couple of really dominant seasons. And, you know, he runs unlike any other person because he is unlike any other running back. I wonder when the takes will come in of, 
oh, his body just can't handle it. Maybe we'll get some sort of evidence because he'll have a season eventually where it just starts taking. A I think toll he on might. I think he might have the only body that can handle it. Right, like that's like one of those things. Like, well, a running back, you don't want to work them too, that much, or you know, the timeline says that after so many years they'll break down or get hurt or whatever. It's like, what if he's just the guy that just isn't going to get it? You know, it's not going to happen to him. Some of you, maybe many of you, will know that I support my beloved Buffalo Bills. I got their defense. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, so I'm going to be cheering hard for the Bills this year. Uh, we've got something in common. Josh Allen getting paid makes me nervous. But I usually stream defenses in fantasy, but mm-hmm. it was coming towards the end of the draft, and the Bills were... The Bills are like a top five fantasy defense. They were still on the board. I was like, all right, give me a reason. Give me a reason to be invested in the in the, in the Buffalo Bills this year. So of course, last year with Josh Norman, you know, I was all about Josh Norman having a good year. He was on my team. Josh Allen. Uh, no, Josh Norman. Oh, Josh Norman, the cornerback. And Josh Norman's with the Bills. I believe so. Wow. Former Panther, right? Yeah, yep, I don't remember yep, getting yep, the yep. name right. Coastal uh, Carolina. Derrick Henry just. I mean, he's done this to a number of people, but he tossed Josh Norman to the ground last year. Uh, like a rag doll, and even Josh Norman. Josh Norman's still looking for a contract, by the way. Yeah, well, that's okay. I mean, he did have that one year with the with the twenty fifteen, where he just right before he got paid he with got it in paid. Washington. Yeah, he was a first team All Pro, Pro Bowl cor- uh, corner. I guess most people will probably remember him and OBJ getting after it more mm-hmm. than anything about that season, even though he had a terrific year. I brought all that up to say. I've really never seen a player throw another professional to the ground quite like that. Even as a Bills fan, I was like, that was pretty sick. Now, not great, you know. It's like you don't want to see your guy getting thrown like a ragdoll, but Derrick Henry, wow. So Josh's question about fantasy uh, is this. Uh, He put this on Twitter. If me uh, or Painter... Lost a fantasy football league and were forced to chill inside of CC's for all 11 hours they were open, but could shave off an hour for each whole pizza consumed. How many hours would either one of you be in the season? So it's the it's the Waffle House challenge that everyone's been doing with their fantasy football leagues. If you come in last place, you have to sit in a Waffle House for 24 hours. Every waffle you eat knocks, knocks out an hour of your time. Um, people don't, I don't think, quite realize how painful it is to eat that many waffles to try to knock to try to try knock down the time. I think the pizza challenge that he proposes would be a little better. Would be a little better. you could also cheat. You could find the smallest slice on the buffet line. You're just sort of taking what is probably... But you got to eat a whole pizza to get to, uh, to, to knock an oh, hour Oh, he off. said a whole pizza. Yeah. Oh, I misread that. Not no. a slice. No. I was like, all right. This 11 is, slices, yeah. yeah I can, I can, like, I can I was, like, get out of there I immediately. Like, I, was like, I was like, yeah, I'll get out of there in about two hours. Yeah. A whole pizza is pretty terrible. Never mind. It's yeah. Not I was as just, fun of a challenge anymore. How many hours would you be in there? The day. Nine? Like nine a and a half. A whole pie? I mean, they're smaller. That's the one thing about the season ones that are they're smaller. I, I feel think like I'd be in there in for eleven a hours. Lot. In eleven hours, I could probably like will myself to get to two. I guess you would just have to go into it like I will be purging myself immediately <laughs> afterward. Just real healthy behavior. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right. Not the best, but in this instance, you might have to do a little uh, pain for pleasure. Although, who would really want to leave a CC's? Exactly. I think that's the biggest. I think that's the biggest takeaway there. I do think I'd be in there for at least half the day. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, one pizza, I probably feel like, all right, you know, I could probably eat the equivalent of that, you know, normal trip. Once you just kind of uh, kind of get in there, you know that's what you're doing. Sec- I mean, I, I would have to will myself to it. 
you know. And for you, your problem would be that would be no pasta, no cinnamon rolls. I mean, I don't know. That's this gonna be so tempting. It would just be. It would just. By. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, I should have more pizza, but how about a couple cinnamon rolls? Too? So you're just gonna be sitting in there. You're gonna go over to the weird arcade and just kind of hang out. Jokes on Josh. I've always been waiting for this. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition. Justin Ferguson and Painter Sharpless here with you, as always. Hello, Painter. I'm here. Me too. Uh, we're we're recording it this on uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, hopefully, to have this out, uh, you know, early Sunday evening. Whenever you're listening, to this appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we've got a decent amount to talk about today. Auburn had its first scrimmage of fall camp uh, on Saturday night. And there were a lot of details in there. Uh, Brian Harson, I, I will give him a lot of credit uh, for this. Brian Harson has done uh, in his in his staff, I should say, the the administration at Auburn fall camp. There's been a lot of access. We've had a lot of times. I mean, if you're a su- subscriber to Observer, you would have gotten shoot well over ten thousand words last week on practices alone from our takeaways, our observations. Um, you know, several viewing windows, a lot of interview time with players, with coaches, and they were running behind on uh, on Saturday night um, because it was raining quite hard uh, at Jordan Hare, uh, which it pushed it back back the start time for their scrimmage by more than an hour. See, what they were trying to do is okay. We, Akron Week One is a six o'clock Saturday night game. Let's do a six o'clock Saturday night game. Get ready for that. Well, the weather pushes it back. Um, the funniest part about that painter is, is that, so Saturday was my mom's birthday. And so I was over at my parents' house and they live about a mile from the stadium. Uh, I mean, I could step in here. I can hear it. Yeah. I could hear it all the way through the scrimmage. Um, but the funny thing was, is that it never rained there, but it flooded so bad at Jared and Hare that they pushed back a scrimmage for, for over an hour. And I feel like that's kind of. When I think of like late summer, like August, especially August weather here, it's like, yeah, you could somewhere like you could be in a, a storm. Away could be getting like rainforest levels De- uh, of water. Thursday, we had uh, media availability Thursday, and out where I am, it was flooding when I left my left my apartment. I mean, just I'm walking through deep puddles, you know, raining really really hard to get to practice. I get on campus and I'm like. I'm like, you know, I wonder if they're going to make it through this with, with the rain. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's like, it didn't rain hard over here. Nope, not at all. So, I mean, that it's kind of weird how all that worked. But a little unlucky, a little unfortunate. But Brian Harson, one of those guys who's going to turn those situations into a positive, says, hey, there's going to be times during the year where you get thrown something you're not expecting, a little curveball. How well can you adapt? How well you, can you adjust? Uh, so Auburn had that scrimmage and then what i was saying though with with harson is that all this availability you know they're pushed back we're talking to him i mean it's like 9 40 9 30 before we get to talk to him saturday night and they're on a they're on a tighter schedule right so only a handful of questions he only talks for about 20 minutes uh which is shorter than normal and yet 
I feel like I came out of that, learned a lot about what happened in the scrimmage, um, and it was it was pretty insightful, pretty insightful stuff. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna run through some of it. If you subscribe to the Observer, you got the observations um, or the takeaways. I didn't actually observe anything, so the takeaways uh, uh, early Sunday morning. But uh, the thing that jumped out to me first, Painter, is that this scrimmage coincides with something we've heard about throughout the first week of fall camp, which is Auburn's defensive front is going to be pretty tough. Um, offenses usually lose the first scrimmage to the defense just on principle. Offense is more about execution. Defense is more about effort. You need both. something you've usually pointed out is like one person messing up on the offense is usually pretty detrimental yeah. to the play. One person person messing up on defense could be problematic. It could be really bad, but it depends on where the ball's going and, and you know, if one, one guy can overcome it, basically. Um, you need both, obviously. Any defensive coordinator will tell you, you know, we need to execute our plan at the high – we need all 11 executing our plan for us to be successful. Any offensive coordinator will say, well, if you don't give good effort, we're, you know, you know what, to, what you're going to do. <laughs> it's not going to work. Um, but – the defense was very disruptive uh, on 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 Saturday night. Several turnovers, had a couple fumbles. Uh, that defensive front, uh, from what I've heard, got after it. And throughout fall, the first week of fall camp, whenever you talk to defensive players, they're like, "Man, that defensive line's really, really getting it together." Colby Wooden was called the alpha of the group. And that makes sense. I mean, he, he had an incredible season last season as a, as a redshirt freshman. He's gotten bigger. He's gotten stronger. He looks quicker. Um, that makes sense. But I think it's the the emergence of Tony Fair and Marcus Harris, who have both gotten really good reviews since they transferred in, as well as the Zachivius Walkers, the Dre Butlers, the, the Marquise Burks, um, the Lee Hunters of the world stepping up to the plate. This defensive line is is uh, you know as Derek Mason said last week, it's like they're going to be able to surprise some people. And that there's not a Derek Brown on this group, and there's not a Marlon Davidson on this group where it's this big household name. Although I think Colby could get there in time, um, but it was just a really really effective crew. And I mean, hearing that they hearing that they kind of starred in this first scrimmage I think is pretty telling for Auburn especially Painter after uh you know the news of last week that Tyrone Truesdale one of their most experienced pieces on the defensive front was no longer uh with the team I mean that's hearing that I know I know that's I I know there's always a caveat whenever one side does well it's like well the other side must have been bad and we'll talk about that uh but I mean, in a in a in a scrimmage, a first scrimmage is always going to be tilted to defense. If that group that had probably the most question marks did well, I think that's the I think that's a that's a great sign for Auburn. It remains to be seen what the hole the void left by Truesdale will do, but it is encouraging that that seems to be one of the dominant themes. Is that mm-hmm. we've talked about Auburn needing to be more disruptive as a pass rushing team a lot over the last few months. In addition to what you mentioned somewhat recently about someone on. The other end is a rusher helping out. You don't want just one premier yeah. rusher. You don't want just Derek Hall. Right. And and so if they're able to get pressure, something they did not do consistently last year in the interior of that line, which now loses probably at least one of its most competent players given the amount of time he had played, I can uh, I can dig that theme coming out of the first scrimmage. 
and, and it's the defensive front seven. I mean, Harson was very clear about it in his in his. I mean, he said, you know, the. I think at this point, if it's like, oh, the linebackers played well, it's like, yeah, well, they were there. Like at this point, it's when you have Owen Papo and Zakoba McLean and and Col- and uh, and um, Chandler Chandler Wooten. I almost said Colby again because I'm looking at his picture. Uh, and Chandler Wooten their names back. Have always, they're just close enough too that as someone who pays attention enough, I'm like, oh, I'll just mix them up occasionally. Um, but I mean, that's a really that's a really good sign that if the edge defenders can kind of get after it, get after the quarterbacks, which sounds like did happen on Saturday, and I, you you will take it. You you will definitely take it. Here here's a quote from Harson uh, from what he said uh, about the defense of uh, the the defense. Sorry. He said they're really defending whatever the offense is doing. So those guys are communicating and that focus, when the ball is snapped, it's really that effort and being relentless to the ball. They did a good job tonight. They created some turnovers. Just get to the ball, good things happen. They showed that tonight. So we felt good about a lot of plays the defense had and creating those turnovers, those are obviously going to be game-changing. So being disruptive, forcing some fumbles, uh, getting after the quarterbacks is it's good to hear that from Auburn's uh, defensive front. Now, as the second point was in the in the in the takeaways from the first scrimmage uh, for the for the observer subscribers, you saw th- that naturally leads to the question: Well, what does that mean for the offensive line? And I think one of the important things from this first scrimmage is this: you know, if you know the defense is going to be the winner in this one, I, I think this is an overall a good. You know, good result for Auburn because you heard that the defense did really well, and you probably heard more about defense and offense. But the offense made plays. It wasn't like I mean, I remember a few first scrimmages, whether in the spring or in fall camp under Malzahn, where it was like the defense just beat the snot out of them all. <laughs> you know, the the whole the whole time. We heard about some good offensive plays. We heard about some good offensive performances. It is it, sort of fun to imagining in the first practice being like block Derek Brown yeah like <laughs> good luck and like sometimes you know Harson was talking about you know this is a hundred play scrimmage uh all three units got about equal work and he said it was good on good that wasn't always the case under the last one so like sometimes you'd have a scrimmage where you're like all right you have to block Derek Brown walk on guard or true freshman guard or you know guy who has barely played good luck this man's about to be making a lot of money you know he's he's gonna end up being a unanimous all American. Get after it, like so. Uh, this offensive line, uh, Harson said, like, hey, we did we did some good things. Uh, his I think his best quote on it, a little snapshot of it, is solid at times, a little inconsistent. Honestly, at this point, Peter, that's kind of what I expect to hear about this this offensive line at the, at this point. It's like they've got the experience and they've got enough talent to be good, but like, you know well-oiled machine especially when they're moving so many guys around i don't think you can really expect that i think that and you're going up against that defensive yeah, line i think that's a, about everything you would think is going to happen for a team that probably has a limited amount of upside but like you said at the same time has worked together played in a lot of games yep. should be competent you know that's what, that is what i'm looking for this can they finish in the top half of the league and be com- competent in both run blocking and pass blocking. I think they were in run blocking last year. Mm-hmm. But like that only will get you so far and obviously defenses can start keying in on your running backs if Bo is not more accurate and the line is not more consistent in pass pro. So yeah, this 
about what I would expect Harson to say for uh, for the offense, uh, especially the line, given what it is they're going up against. Yeah, and Harson said like uh, he stands behind the backfield during these scrimmages, so he's like, I'm pretty hard on the offensive line because I'm seeing them mess per- up or yeah. succeed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? He said, uh, you know, they ran the ball well. Um, they were better in protection. Came off the ball and struck that defense, defensive front. You know, guys like Tank Bigsby and Sean Chavers were able to make plays in this scrimmage. However, he said, we flat out missed some blocks at times, and he chalked that up to miscommunication. Um, there were some penalties that they had to have to get corrected. You know, they had officials out there, which was a big thing for them because that's going to be a lot of their cleanup and takeaways uh, from that. But when you're moving guys around as much as they've done on the offensive line, you know, you're not a well-oiled machine. They're still in search for that best five. Uh, they're doing better in pass protection. You know, had some good moments in run blocking. It's just consistency, and and I don't think you can expect consistency at this point um, from an offensive line that can kind of change up what it's doing. And so much of offensive line play is about being all on the same page. Um, it's not. It's not. It's not like pretty much any other group in that in that capacity. Uh, here's another quote from Harson. He said, quote, uh, we want to be more consistent up front. So we've improved, but we're not where we need to be. And I think our guys know that. I think that's the best thing about the group right now is that they're willing to work. I do like that about that group. Um, so the offensive line we had heard has taken some strides and steps forward. They feel more confident about this group than they did maybe at the beginning of the year. There are some... Mixing, there is some mixing and matching going on. Guys moving positions, and you know, I, I think anybody can see it uh, when they when if they read the observations or anything, you know, any practice reports from last week. Um, it's not a complete picture at the moment. I think that's the easiest way to way to way to say that without getting in trouble about like who's out and what. But you know, that offensive line having good moments in pass protection, having good moments in, in run blocking. So it's like they can do it. You know, it's not an it's not a it's not a thing of like, well they just ain't got it. it but it's just can you do it consistently? It's kind of like the Bo Nix thing, right? You can do it. I mean, he's got the arm, he's got the he's got the wheels. He can make some really good plays. Can you just do it consistently? And Harson is preaching consistency, consistency, consistency with a lot of groups on the offensive side of the ball. And so for the line to be in that that position, I don't think anybody can be surprised. But I think it's a good sign that in a scrimmage, when you're going up against that defense, especially that defensive front, we know how talented they are. We know that, that, that they are naturally going to be, you know, the, the first scrimmage is going to be kind of weighted towards them just because of the nature of the uh, uh, Probably the first of couple, practices. you think. Right, I yeah. Mean, and and generally, too, I think if, if you're going into the season, you're expecting the defense to be the stronger overall unit of the two. Like, yeah, what would have been the takeaway from Auburn fans if, like, Auburn's offense was just... Torching the defense. Defense be like, like, what well, is happening? You'd be excited. I, thought, I think there, that means there's a good balance. If you're if you're kind of towards the middle, a little leaning towards the defense after, or you know, probably not a little, but you know, decently leaning towards the defense after your first scrimmage, it's like okay, the offense didn't get completely dominated. They made some good plays in through the air and on the ground. They had some mistakes. They got some things they had to sort out. And the defense, you can be pretty proud of it. Yeah, I think you'd be excited until you thought about it for a few seconds. You'd be like, wait a minute, we've spent all offseason talking about how good this defense is supposed to be in the first scrimmage. And a brand new offense is, is is giving it to him. That would be that would be pretty tough. Harson said one of his things is like, 
you know, it's never as good as it seems after practice and, or after scrimmage. It's never as bad. So I think that's a that's a good aspect to look at it. So anytime you want to kind of go like, whoa, this guy did this and this and this, you know, and it's, even though we don't have all the, you know, the details of the of who scored what touchdown when, it was a Letterman scrimmage, uh, and I know some places. Uh, some outlets uh, had some had some kind of insiders giving them giving them information, which I know fans are always you know getting fans to kind of like refresh and and, cl- and click and click and trying to trying to figure out what's going on late on a Saturday. Yeah, I think shows just how important this is to a lot of people, and that's that you know that's really cool to see that that excitement. Yet another reason why I wish I had been good enough to be a true athlete, right? That inside access, baby. Yeah, if you could have been a Letterman. Well, that's you know that is such an easy thing to do to throw to alumni who oh, yeah. who you want to support the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you know, Dabo Sweeney's a goofy guy, a goofy right. goober, if you will. But I think he's proven like with the open access. I don't know if he's still doing it, but your friend Grace Rayner has pointed out the access has been really good. And it's like, well, they're still playing for and winning championships. It's almost like the practices in August don't have to be uh, treated w- with just. Um, total camouflage I, I don't know if dab is doing like the two-hour viewing window he did initially or or if that's just sort of his i think grace MO. he just like yeah i, I think don't grace care. told me they were like they've they've watched like almost all of the practices that before. rips because it's like for for them it's like i mean what is boston college gonna do <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah that that's one thing and then number two it's like you can't say that like hiding you know hiding stuff from the media is not you know it, it'll it's gonna make you a better football team like Clemson, Clemson is as successful as anybody this side of Alabama, and in some years, even more than Alabama in this sport. And they're opening it up, but yeah, I think it's a little different. So it's a little different. And I think also it's like you got to kind of train everybody up to be there. It's like, all right, if we're going out here, it's like you know, it was the whole thing with. Uh, I know Malzahn wasn't the only one who was like this, but it was like you'd be afraid that like people would be talking about plays, you know, and and what happened. And uh, well, I think Saban's pretty protective yeah so like there are other good coaches who it was, are it was like it was like if you if you had the if you lived in that apartment building yeah, you couldn't like there were times where you can't walk out on your balcony right and that it's was like in the lease i think if yeah. i'm not mistaken it's not just like hey we'll ask you to leave it's like no if you're going to live here by the practice facility you are obligated You've gotta be a good soldier yeah respect the tide yeah which I mean, honestly, so incredible that he was like, "You can pull that off, though." There, that I mean, is, if you've won that much and you mean that much to that to that campus and that community, it's like, yeah. I mean, there might be snipers up in like the tower, just pew pew. That was always the joke with Gus, right? That was always in this. He's like, you know, if we if we make one one wrong move out there, he's just gonna take us out. Um, <laughs> so you know, but it is incredible. Like, there's really just if Saban wants it. I think your friends, uh, Kirshner, Stephen, and Richard pointed this out back in December while they were talking about Auburn and, and they were gearing yeah, up. They zone. had not made the hire yet right? Uh, when this podcast went out. And they were talking about Auburn and sort of how it views itself as a program and the differences, some of them, about Alabama. And part of it is that Saban came in and was like, everyone get out of my way. Yeah. And then the results came and everyone yep. was happy to stay out of his because way. Alabama, they will do anything. Because Alabama this. was, you know, I'm not going to sit here and act like I have deep knowledge of Alabama's booster culture before Saban, but I I know it, not everybody was on the same page. I think it was closer to some of the chaos we get here at Auburn for right. a while. And right. then they figured out that with the right guy in charge, 
they get everybody going. tripping over themselves. Right, right. So, um, moving on in the scrimmage brings us to our quarterbacks and our wide receivers. Quarterbacks. So, okay, so we heard. It's like a mixed review from what you wrote. Yeah. Uh, so what we heard is like, okay, there were some turnovers, there were some fumbles forced. Defensive front did well. Harson did say that the secondary allowed some explosive plays, but kind of fired back later in the scrimmage and got some interceptions. Bo Nix, TJ Finley, heard both of those guys got first team work. Nix was the first guy out on the field. From what I can gather, it's like, yeah, he's still the guy. I mean, Finley, there were moments where Finley played well, and, and there are going to be moments where Finley's looked good early on. But, you know, this is if this is a competition and this is a battle, it is still leaning towards Knicks at this point. Uh, a lot of good stuff about Demetrius Davis. We'll talk about him in a moment. Bo Nix and TJ Finley, though. Um, Harson, when he was <laughs> when he was talking about the quarterbacks, he went back to one of his old calling cards, which is, hey, guys, if you're going to play quarterback at this level, you got to make good decisions. Uh, he talked about taking care of the football, making the right checks, know what you're doing. And when you – it's like he didn't say – you know, Bo Nix went 11 for 17 for, you know, 184 yards, you know, two touchdowns and two interceptions. He didn't say that. And those aren't the stats. I don't have them. I honestly don't have them. Uh, would be incredible if they were. Just nail it. Just. <laughs> but he when, when you're talking about the quarterbacks and he immediately says, yeah, you got to make good decisions. You got to take care of the ball. It's like, ah, okay, there were, there were some issues there. You know, there, there were some issues. Read between the lines a little bit. Um he said there were some really good things tonight at the quarterback position. I thought all the guys ran the ball well, did some things, threw the ball well sometimes. There's plenty to correct, uh, which is going to be the thing with him. He's going to be harder on that position group than any other because, A, he played it. B, it's the most important one on the field. And, C, uh, you know, it's one that he's standing right on top of every every uh, every snap at this point. Um, so, But Knicks and Finley, some good, some bad decision making get better learn clean up from it that's the thing we've talked in the first week of fall camp i've thought that nicks and finley look really good throwing the ball but it's been pascal from the times we've seen it it's 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 not with a pass rush pass rushes change change a lot of things you know i'm not saying nicks and finley like panicked out there but like i if the if the guys are getting after him at quarterback if the defensive front's having a good day you know that affected him I'm sure you know the offensive line had some issues you know that was going to affect sure him it's easier to focus on your fundamentals in a pass skeleton than when like right. Bobby Woodens when the bullets are flying you. right yeah um Harson did talk a good bit about Demetrius Davis uh, here's what he said. He said he did some things really well. This is actually funny. Can, can I can I give you a little inside baseball here because I think you'll appreciate it? Yeah. All right, so it was, you know, I only had a handful of questions. One of the last ones was from your, your goat and mine, Mark Murphy. <laughs> and he asked him about Demetrius, as in Demetrius Robertson. We'll talk, Demetrius Robertson, we'll talk about him in a second. Harson through Zoom thought he said Demetrius, and so he launches into into thing about Demetrius, and then Mark goes, "I actually meant Demetrius," and and, Har- and Harson goes, "Oh well, uh, yeah, I'll talk about him." There's a bonus one for you. Demetrius played well, so here's your little bonus insight. Um, he said he did some things really well. He can throw it well. He moves well. He had a few runs that were desired that he could pull it. He kind of pump faked two yards down the field and got somebody. He's got a little bit of that. He's got some games gamesmanship when he's out there. And I like that. The old shoot, that's a that's a Madden move. That's an old NCAA. They they put it in Madden or NCAA a few years ago uh, for like a little while, where you could be scrambling and you get across the line of scrimmage and you could still pump fake and it still would it still would 
get somebody to bite because in the heat of the moment when you're running, you're not thinking he's past the line of scrimmage. Yeah, you're you're not thinking you're not thinking about that. Um, but yeah, good sign for Demetrius Davis that he's taking that step forward. Um, it is Nick's and then Finley and in, in these drills and in these in these rotations that we've seen. But I think Davis has gotten to a good point where you know you can think about him as QB three right now and somebody that they like uh, for the future. Um, you know, Harson said you know his ability to kind of read and react was good. You can tell that he's progressing, that he's getting smarter in, in the offense. And I know a lot of Auburn fans are excited to see him whenever that 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 point comes. Um, but you know, if you're a if you're a freshman in the defense in this defensive leaning scrimmage, and when the bullets are flying, you're playing well enough that your head coach is shouting you out, and and that's one of the big takeaways from 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 the scrimmage. I think that's a great sign, and I know a lot of Auburn fans are excited to hear about how Demetrius is doing. D, keep it up, buddy. The wide receivers, you know, had some explosive plays. Um, this is the one position group that has gotten the most buzz, I think, in camp where it was different from, you know, in the spring and into the summer, every time Growing you talk, you talked about the wide receivers, it was everybody you talked to was like, yeah, we've got a lot of work to do. And they'll still say that. But I think the wide receivers have had the biggest turn of, you know, it's gone from, it's gone from not negative, but just kind of, yeah, well, we, we're waiting for something to step up. It, it, this group is at this point where like, Everybody is saying really positive things about them. Um, and I don't know if that's a case of low expectations. I don't think it is because I think the standard's pretty high. But maybe they had the most room to grow. Like they might right. have had yeah, the yeah, most I think room that's, to yeah, that's improve, a good point. and at least they've been improving. They didn't Har- stay the same. Harson said, Harson said that first week of, of camp, they did a really good job making plays. Uh, some of the things that they were able to go up and get in, get in tough catches, knowing where to go, you know, route running, Justin, you know, being heads up, having good connection with the quarterbacks. It's like they did that in the scrimmage, and it's like they did that in practices as well. So for them, it was good to see them keep it rolling from what they've done in practices to a little bit more resembling live football, uh, if you can keep that going. And what did we talk about You know, two weeks ago? The one thing that Brian Harson is looking for more than anything else from those wide receivers is who can be consistent, right? Each one of those dudes at wide receivers is, is big enough or you know, athletic enough or talented enough to make plays, but who's going to do it on a regular basis? And it sounded like there were a number of guys that did that on, on Saturday night. I'm curious if there is going to be a guy that stands out above the crowd, whether it's that you know in spring practice, probably not. I think it'll be more likely to happen once the season gets going, but that they're simply getting some level of like consistency as a unit because i think that unit probably had the longest way to go in this transition maybe not individually like you might be able to point to Bo having the farthest to go individually or certain linemen but as a unit like that group seemed to have its fair share of growing pains in the Mm -hmm. spring so i'm glad that at least for now to the public they're saying that group is doing better yeah and I think one of the big things that has helped this group is that they have a Demetrius Robertson who has done really well since he's arrived. He's a late arrival at camp. They got some guys back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Demetrius uh, had several catches at the scrimmage, including one over the middle that uh, stood out to Harson. He made he made mention he's like, "Hey, this guy can really bring it down the middle of the field." Um, you know, talking to pretty much anybody, 
you know, from campus that they're really impressed with how quickly Robertson's kind of plugged in. Like there was an acclimation process and he may not know all of the playbook at this point and he might not, you know, have it all down and like, all right, this is what I do on this drill, you know, blah, blah, blah. But Robertson, I think, has done a really good job of, uh, you know, setting setting a good standard and a high expectation and said, hey, you know, I know what I'm doing out here. I can bring that speed and that shiftiness and that veteran savvy to this wide receiver group. They have speed and quickness for sure, especially when you look at Malcolm Johnson and Tavares Dawson and those guys. But bring, kind of, he can be a leader. He can be a leader for this group. And Harson said they came out of – he felt like he came out of the scrimmage Saturday night and saying, okay, we've gotten him to this, this point, and he's worked really hard, and he's studying his playbook, and he's taking notes, and he's he's coming to practice every day prepared and doing what he needs to. we got to keep working him in. And there might be – he said multiple positions they can use him at. Well, whether that means special teams, whether that means different roles on offense – it's a good sign that they can kind of kind of kickstart what he's got going on at wide receiver, and uh, you know, just be reliable, be reliable, and be be consistent because you know not very many dudes on this uh, in this group has have been able to do that in games so far in their careers. But Robertson, to his credit, at least has the background to be able to do that from his time at Cal in Georgia. What did you make of slight deviation, but I'm trying to bring it back to Robertson. One of our favorites, SEC Stat Cat, a great mm-hmm. follow. Enjoy reading his work. He wrote about Auburn. He's doing previews yeah. right now. And one of the things he mentioned about Robertson um, was that he's not been consistently efficient. He's been, you know, he was a top-rated recruit. Mm-hmm. He has more yardage than a bunch of Auburn receivers combined. I think all of those things matter. But one of the things that StatCat also pointed out was that he's not been this player that has consistently uh, been a focal point right. of any offense. No. I guess at Cal as a freshman, he Cal, Cal could was, make that argument. Before his injury, he was their best guy. So, I mean, what do you, maybe those, number, those numbers might not be new to you, but I read mm-hmm. those a few days ago. And, it, you know, I'm still optimistic about everything Robertson's yeah. bringing to a young group, but the numbers he pulled up were also kind of uh, made me raise my eyebrows a little bit. I think the thing here with Robertson at Georgia is this. He had the injury. He had the long layoff. It took him a while to kind of get going there. And it's like, yeah, I think he had another injury issue at some point at Georgia. And the thing there is that at Georgia, if if you're not ready to go and you're not 100%. Three or four other guys in the room. Who are high four-star, five-star players are going to be ready to, ready to plug in. So, I think between that and just the general weirdness of Georgia's passing game the last few years, he kind of could slip a little bit. But, like, he didn't have to be the guy or one of the top guys at at Georgia. That, you know, that wasn't necessarily this, you definitely need to do this for us. Um, After he came from Cal, especially coming off that injury, I think it's a little different at Auburn because they need him because he's their experience. The efficiency thing is interesting. I think there were some times last year, the last couple of years, where he's been really good at certain areas of the field, like like intermediate balls. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, doesn't take over games, and he's not a guy that has had a lot of, like, game-changing performances in his career. But I think it's in context as well, is that, you know, what was the rest of Georgia's offense doing? What was the rest of Georgia's offense doing at that point? What did that look like? What did the other receivers look like at this point? You know? This group, he's not having to compete against a 
George Pickens or um, Lawrence Cage or these guys that are um, destined for the NFL. <laughs> yeah, either really highly rated recruits, and there have been some other ones at Georgia, obviously. Or a guy like Lawrence Cager, who had a lot of experience and was coming in from Miami on, on, on you know, to be the guy. I think Auburn's going to give him more of an opportunity to get the ball more consistently than, than he did at Georgia. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, like, could Demetrius Robertson have a season where he is not, you know, a t- Auburn's top receiver or top two or three receiver? We've spent a good bit of time saying we have no idea. Yeah, we have no be. idea who it's going to end up being, but... Um, I think the situation and the fact he's off to a quick start in, in fall camp is a really good sign because he brings some things that just or doesn't have at this point. They just don't have it at the uh, at the wide receiver spot. And so um sounds like the, the coaching staff is very pleased with the progress he's made. As Harson said, you know, I thought it, he said, quote, I thought it might have taken a little more time for him to pick things up. So when you're one week in and you're already impressing your head coach at, at how quickly you've you've plugged into your offense, I think that's a good sign for the future. Sweet. Is there any other unit we haven't talked about? The special teams, they you know they cut out a bunch of special teams work from what they did in the scrimmage because of the delay. They got nine or ten field goals in. Um, you know, shout out to Anders Carlson who gave us a depth chart of the the long snapper and holder situation uh, the other day. Um, I love that he seems to be self aware, as I think a number of special teamers are. That it's like the stakes are low for us relative right we need to do our jobs when we're out there but i've I've heard other special teams players be like we understand that we are not the same as tank bigsby right and and you know i think that was the funny thing is you know i've had some people ask me about special teams there's a mailbag question out on monday where it's like what have you seen from the special teams i'm like "Mm." because this is the thing the 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 early parts of the, the the viewing windows of practices I think I've seen them like kick like a field goal or two, but that's about it. Like the specialists are kind of working off by themselves when we're doing, and there's all this stuff on the, on the main field going on at the same time where it's like all the offense and defense is doing You're something. You're going to gravitate to the quarterbacks or the right. offensive line or who's right. the edge rusher going to be before you. And Anders said, and Anders said something interesting. He said in practice, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, under, under the last half, you would kick it either at the beginning or at the very end and you kind of just did stuff on your own, you know, between. He said this one is they, they've kind of have it regimented so that you kick at one point and then you do it again later and then a little bit later, a little bit. And he says it feels more like a game where you're having to having to do stuff every now. Little random moments, like we need you right now. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I thought that was interesting. Um, I know uh, I feel like we're shouting him out on every podcast at this point, whether we're talking about the Knicks or not. Uh, Lonnie was, Lonnie's been asking me, he's like, all right, tell me about the punters. And it's yeah, you know, here's the thing. I the, wondered he had he had said something to you online about that, and I was like, "What position group is he referring to?" Because I I was I was unsure. So it so, makes me happy to know that. Well, here's the thing. Not just special teams punter. Here's the thing. Not only did we not get quite as many uh, viewing windows in fall camp under the last staff, when we'd get out there, it would be a lot of stretching and special teams work because you don't show a lot at that point. And again, you have your reasons for that, but. I have not seen them do stretching once. I have barely seen them do any special teams work. We are watching. There are a lot of individual drills. You know, we watched some team stuff on Thursday, the 11-on-11, 11 11, where some people were kind of kind of surprised at some of the moves that were there. Um, I, I should say this because I've had several people ask me at this point, including my own father. Um, 
where was Tony Fair in the in that? They were playing nickel package. He's more of the nose, the zero technique on 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 early downs. But so that's why I don't think you saw. He was out there. He was. I will say he was out there. He was practicing. I can say that. Um, Some of you guys are really paying attention to these videos. I'm impressed. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. You gotta you gotta you gotta dissect it as much as you can for sure. Um, but yeah. So like. I'm sure people have really good questions about the punters and the punt return. Who's going to punt return? Who's going to be the kick returner this year? Who's going to, I mean, those are good questions and you can kind of joke about like, is it that important to know who the holder is? But like, yeah, people want to know, like people want to know these things. And I mean, to, to the credit of this staff, we just haven't seen much of it. And I'm cool with that. Cause if I'm sitting here thinking, it's like, man, I haven't learned a lot about the special teams. It's like, yeah, cause you learned a lot about everything else. And we'll see how much access we get and how many more viewing windows we get as they start s- switching into game mode. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, I I wish I could give you more special teams information, people. I really do. But I just I just don't have it in me. We love our special boys who are doing the important things. Always an important group when you need them. I'll give them that much. For sure. And, I mean, we've, we talked about it when Auburn got uh, McPherson in recruiting. Uh, you have to have a really good kicker you know, those are, those There's are not guaranteed things that consistently plagued Alabama and their losses. <laughs> like right. Any time, you know, cause we've talked about this too. When Alabama loses, it's usually hilarious and painful. It just doesn't happen very yeah. often. And sometimes those losses have revolved around the kicker, not being able to make what I would think is something that they probably can do. But mm-hmm. when you're in Jordan Hare Stadium, it looks chaos, like they've got a good kicker now. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be harder to, to bank on that. Yeah, but like, yeah, it's, you know, Auburn fans might take having really good kickers for granted because they've had them for a long, long time. Um, but like you have to go out and, and get them and they are very important. But again, most of the action and most of what we focus on is offense and defense. And we have seen a lot of offense and defense to this point. Um, so like I said, a hundred play scrimmage, they'll do cleanup stuff on it on Sunday. First day of classes are on Monday. I know there's some people who, subscribe and listen who are students so good luck everybody on the new semester uh, my youngest sister starting college uh, on uh, on Monday um, finally got another one back at back at uh, Auburn University so I went to Auburn um, my brother went to AUM because uh, main campus didn't have his major so he's 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 uh, he's Auburn and then we went through a stage where kind of wandering in the wilderness yeah finally got it back with number six this was such a fun time of the year like the week or two leading up to classes you don't actually have class everyone's coming back you're going dude the traffic sucks so much right now. it has been terrible the first two weeks is terrible for us town did you see the uh did you see the thing that it's since the last census auburn's grown by like 40 percent or like it was something let me look that up i need to i need to It was a result where I was like, oh, that's not good. Syllabus uh, week rips, too, especially the professor's shout-out. And this is something you freshmen, if you're listening, will enjoy, I think. Uh, in high school, they just have to pretend like there's more of a lesson plan if they run out of things to say to you. Your cool professors will be like, we have 15 minutes left. I'm getting paid either way. Bye-bye. Yep. And hopefully you'll have some of that during syllabus week. Absolutely. Uh, this is from uh, the Auburn Plainsman, uh, Trice Brown writing this there. Uh, it says, the official data from the 2020 census has been released detailing how communities across the United States have grown and demographically shifted. According to census data, Lee County's population grew um, by 24.2%. The city of, here we go, you ready? 
City of Auburn saw a 42.6% increase in population since census data was last collected. Auburn has gone from 53,380 people to 76,143 people, making it now the seventh largest city in Alabama. And remember, it's the town has gotten bigger, the city has gotten bigger, and not everybody lives here all the time. So everybody's coming back. Uh, yeah, Auburn grew at... Uh, a, Auburn grew at a faster rate than any other of Alabama's 25 largest cities. So, Auburn on the move, ladies and gentlemen. I think I saw that Huntsville, now the largest now city, the largest in, city the in Alabama. Yeah, Birmingham Birmingham Trans-Bandas. dipped a little bit, and, and, Huntsville, and Huntsville picked it up. So, Auburn, you are growing. We love it. We love to see people live here because, I mean, look, we live here. We enjoy living here. It's good. It's a good place. Um, but I will say some of the public infrastructure is probably not fully prepared. Uh, Still rocking for the eighties vibe, nineties vibe with our roads. And I such. felt, I, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you saw me. You may have seen me do this on Friday, uh, where I put out a poll where I said, "What's the worst uh, intersection in Auburn?" You got some passionate responses, and it's Donahue and Magnolia, or you have a wrong answer. Now there are some good ones. Um, for big roads, Opelika and Opelika Road and Chuck Jordan, right by the mall, it can be just devilish uh, at certain times of the day. Um, people are pointing out there are a few ones all right, on Gay Street that are that are real rough. Uh, our boy Dan Peck pointing that out one, one he Bill has Cameron to hit all the time. Yeah, no, Bill hates it hit that. me the other day. I had to fill in for Dan because Dan was on vacation. I was on the drive on it's Thursday. It's a double whammy because I think it gets. And I got stuck up. behind school buses yes. and a and train. The train really throws you for a loop. You go there in between like three and five. Drive at your own peril, baby, because it could be back all. But I, I do Sonic. think though, I do think though, it's like that intersection of uh, Magnolia and Donahue by Mama G's is like it's one way to get off of, off a of campus. It's one of the main ways to get off of campus. Either you're going to the you're going to, you're going towards downtown or you're going, you know, toward the north side of town. And it just bottlenecks right there. It's still an old like just one light. On game days, it is just a war zone. Um, but yeah, you'll, off just you'll get there. You'll, there are certain times of day. There are certain times of day around when school's letting out, when works. You know, when school most people's school you know classes are starting to tail off. People are getting off of work, and you get there, and it's just like, well, you're just going to be here forever. <laughs> you might as well stop by Insomnia. Yeah, Irritable Bowel used to be over there. Sometimes it's I like wish if it you're was coming, still. if you're coming campus, if you're coming campus way, trying to get out, it's like you're going to be parked next to the arena for a while. You're going to sit there for a while. Just get ready for it. Um, but yeah, great for Auburn to keep growing. You know, we're bringing in we're bringing in new folks, uh, new businesses we love growing we like that but like maybe some of the roads <laughs> aren't ready for all this <laughs> they did so we're getting some parking decks downtown yes huge fan it's of gonna that. be nothing but decks love the decks Big nothing deck but decks guy. and 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 apartment buildings that won't fill yeah i don't know if i need yeah. to keep that in the podcast but okay. well, no we should okay. okay all right we're telling we're telling our truths on this podcast <laughs> um but yeah so like i said that's a long-winded way of getting to this point. Good luck, all of you new students. I know we have a few people on here who work at the university who subscribe and listen. Shout out to you guys. 
professors, teachers. Let uh, the kids out early. Yeah, let them out early. Let if them you're, rip. It's if the you're first listening, week. if you're listening, it's the first week. Um, you know, Walmart's been an absolute terror to go into if you've been in there recently. Uh, it is the restaurant it, scene is yeah full. Yeah, yeah. So we will uh, just be prepared for a wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Out. So Monday they're off of pra- they're off from practice. Tuesday they get back at it. They're going to be in this little hybrid mode between the end of camp and the start of you know game week preparations. It's like kind of you you want to take a little bit of extra time to get in your in season mode. So usually they start that a a little early. They'll have another scrimmage on Friday. We'll be interesting to see the timeline and all that. Um, and then they are they are kind of in Akron mode because Painter we are twenty days away from the start of the season. Dear Lord, I didn't realize how good of a season J.C. Horn had last year. A tweet just came across the timeline from PFF. I'm not going to read them all out, but Lord, I knew he was a good player, but the names on this list, Waddle, Judy, Ross, Pitt, Seth Williams, Elijah Moore. Did really well. God almighty. He did really, really well. All right. I I do want to have one more thing to discuss before we get out of here, football-related. Before we do that, Painter... Let the folks at home know how they can keep supporting what we've got going on. If you have not yet, why are you not rating, reviewing, and subscribing, people? Get on it. Get on it. Let's go. Do the rating. Do the reviewing. Leave us a little star power. Maybe a comment. Pump those algorithms up, baby. We don't want rookie numbers out there. We're trying to win the day. Want to know. And we do that by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. So, Painter... We've got a lot of reviews to read. Excellent. Like, a lot, a lot of reviews. You people are doing the work. So we talked about it on our last podcast. Um, we had a suggestion from a listener who's saying, hey, tell us how to how to rate and review and subscribe a little bit more in detail because... Um, Apple doesn't actually make, Apple doesn't make it easy. On you, especially as you've pointed out now, if you got the private feed, you're mm-hmm. used to rocking off of that guy. Yeah, if you pay for $6 a month, $60 a year, you get twice as much podcast and you get all the stories, so... Keep that in mind. Uh, Auburnobserver.com, sign up there. Uh, yes. But, yeah, go to Apple Podcast. Um, I think the easiest way we found to do this is hit the search button at the bottom right, type in the Auburn Observer, click on that, scroll down to uh, write review, give us five stars, write something out. It means a lot for us when you know it does a ton for the algorithm if you actually write something out. Um, and a lot of you have done that since the last time we talked. So we are going to run through them right now. You ready to go? I'm ready. Here we go. This is from AU Tiger 24 says, if you're reading this, it's not too late. If you're an Auburn fan, it would be foolish not to subscribe to this podcast. You can tell Justin and Painter do their homework and always are up to date with what's going on. Painter, you obviously do a lot of homework. (laughs) This is from my boy, uh, SMS Prince guy I graduated high school with. Uh, He said, like the, like the strawberry drink at the old crispy chicken op. This podcast is sweet and always an incredible did he experience. Tell you, did he tell you? That is a good review. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I know. I know. Oh, did that, you know his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, recognize him from Twitter, from Twitter, and yeah, he went to high school with me. So, all right. Shout good out to Chris. Review. What was there. it? What was that? Um, what was what? The the what op thing was? It was the, the crispy chicken. It used to be. It was the churches. It used to be the crispy chicken. When I talked about the strawberry drink with the clip art picture, mm-hmm. he's like, We're, "This is the podcast version of that." And and that the, let and me the, tell you, that is high praise. The food thing was a who? Huh? What was the food item? It was a, the the strawberry. Uh, remember when I talked to you about you the told strawberry me that, drink? What, what is it called? 
It was just called strawberry. It was the strawberry oh, I love soda. The simplicity. Yeah, I yeah, know. It's literally a clip art picture from like Microsoft publisher of it. So great review. Shout that out. Uh, WDE seventy nine eighty says thanks for getting us through the off season. Uh, thanks to y'all. I feel like I'm getting to know the new coaches and players. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Uh, that's pretty. That's very nice of you. Uh, Smash Brownie, which is an amazing name, <laughs> uh, says I've been listening since the lunch break days. Justin Painter are the best, and I've found. Uh, that Justin knows what to look for and what he's talking about, and then dumbing it down so even I can understand what he's talking about. Great podcast. You I know think- what? That That is like one of the nicest nicest reviews of this podcast. We want to give you information. We want to make you smarter about Auburn football and Auburn basketball. That is like our, this is the main directive here. But we also want to be entertaining, and we don't want to be over your head. Well, he's, he's identified some of the magic sauce of this show, which is that you do a lot of hard work, and then you're like, all right, buddy, get in here and start we firing. Need, we need the second We need the second voice. Uh, uh, this this review is uh, from Northcourt. It says, a ham sandwich's favorite Auburn podcast. So I don't know. That it, that might be an inside joke. You might know. I don't know that one. I'm, I'm at, Usually I'm at, if you see like a mac and cheese review, and there have been a few of those, those are referring to my affinity for the mac. Uh, w. Rutland uh, says, uh, exceptionally thorough review of the state of Auburn football. Provides both broad program-wide perspective as well as granular X's and O's. Awesome podcast. Well, thank you. Thanks. Um, Riley... <laughs> R I L A A A A Y Y Y Y Y. Okay, all right, cool. Says no brainer to listen to if you're an Auburn fan. Painter has a beautiful talking voice, and it says something like, "My voice sucks." You've got it. You've got the golden pipes. Count those beans. Says check out these guys. This one review is titled "Painter Loves CCs." Uh, it says, I could not speak highly enough of the Auburn Observer. The subscriptions made me a more knowledgeable fan. Listening to the podcast is a highlight of my week. Justin and Painter are two guys you would want to go grab CCs with. All right. That's our vibe. All right. And then API says, this is just two guys t- kicking it, talking Auburn sports and stuff. Painter is awesome. Thanks, guy. That's how you, that's how you follow is Honestly, guys, I know it's very vain for us to read our own positive reviews on the podcast, but I mean, we I thought love it was, it. I love we it. love doing it. And we just do it just to reinforce that it means a lot when you guys do shout us out and do review and take the time to give us five stars and a written review. And uh, some of y'all are very funny with with what you, what you're doing. It remember, say nice things about Painter. Some of you did a really good job of that in this one, but we really appreciate all of it. Um, it's not enough for me to hear you guys. Like it's not enough that you guys listen. It's not enough right. that you pay us. I also need you to say nice things about you. If you're wondering how narcissistic I am, I can keep going, but for now, we'll leave it there. Uh, also, uh, more plugs. Uh, I think Koozie update is done at this point. I think most of you have gotten them yet. If not, please let me know. Um, I figured out what part of my issue was with the post office, and I just count it to uh, inconsistent judgment from uh, the people in charge. But part of it is my fault. Somebody, somebody, uh, somebody got at me on Twitter for like, he's like, you know, you were the one being an idiot. So why are you mad at the post office? So you know what? Fair enough. Uh, but also, it almost like what I did worked for most of most of the of the packages. So I feel like it should have worked for all of them. But fair point. Also, want to shout Much out like the offensive line, right? Sometimes effective but not yet consistent post office. And I think you've had more time than the offensive line to get it together. I also want to shout out uh, a, a few of our friends here, the war report on YouTube. Uh, they have been doing uh, some, 
some work, uh, their For the Record series, where they take stats from the Observer and discuss them. Uh, a really good one here recently um, about the third down defense, and they'll have more coming up and looking to have those throughout the season as well. So shout, uh, shout out to those guys. Check them out, War Report on Twitter. A lot of good Auburn football discussion going on over there. Give those guys a, subs- a subscription and give them your hard-earned money as well and become an insider there. Uh, also want to shout out our friends over at the Black Auburn News. Big week coming up this week. Uh, OA News is having a uh, the OA News is having a special. You can get a digital subscription for a very 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 low price. Go to oanow.com and check that out. I shout that out to say this: High school football season starts this week. Your boys getting back into the game. Um, I want to shout out Lee. Want to shout out Jordan. Jake Weiss now, uh, Dr. Jake Weiss now, the newest member of the OA family. We're all excited for him and happy for him. But uh, you absolutely gobsmacked him in NCAA football. I, I have that effect on some people. Just can't. But those guys do a great job with the yep. local coverage of high school sports. Obviously, they're taking care of the Auburn stuff and doing a good job with that. And then they were, I think, the leaders in, especially Lee, in, in the, the, in the SUNY stuff. coverage. We, we heard from SUNY recently, which was excellent very cool she's uh she's she's you know just casually taking pictures in front of sanford hall and tweeting them to all these people who have nothing to do with auburn so like the profile is up 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 i think jerry hannon uh asked this this question on twitter the other day i saw this tweet he's like is is Cindy lee the most famous person to ever enroll at auburn like not people became famous after they became students especially athletes or someone like tim cook Right. But Tim Cook was not famous when he walked in I can't, from Lower I can't think Alabama of, to Auburn. I can't think of anybody else who would have even come close, right? No, I, I don't think Auburn that I'm aware of has ever just had a celebrity enroll. Yeah, and that's what they've got got with SUNY. I say all that about the OA news to say this. I'm back in the game this week covering, covering high school sports, so you might see, if you follow me on Twitter, you might see some high school coverage bleeding into your timeline a little bit. That's why. Have you got your first assignment? Where are we going? So here's the issue. Here's the issue that we're running into right now. Auburn's have, has their first, their next scrimmage on Friday. I don't know what the availability is going to be off of that, so I might have to play it by ear. If I'm able to go to a game and cover it on Friday night, I'm going to, of course, dear old Auburn High. Uh, they're hosting uh, Park Crossing in their opener. Um, and I think I'm going to a Thursday night game as well uh, in the area to, uh, to, to get. I'm getting Jake warmed up because one thing about covering high school sports, uh, and for those of you who, uh, who enjoy reading about your, your high school teams, the people who are covering them, especially the people who do it full-time, have a tough job because uh, some schools and some states do it differently, but like a lot of ones around here, you're having to keep your own stats yourself by hand, and that is a process, let me tell you. So anyway... Uh, is that, let me, do we have any more? AuburnObserver.com, War Report on YouTube. War Report, sorry. Um, oh, and now, check them out as well. Uh, Painter, I wanted to hit one more thing before we left about football. And it was a really interesting question last night posed to Brian Harson that has really nothing to do with the scrimmage or it kind of has something to do with camp, but... I wanted to discuss it because I thought it was I thought it was uh, an interesting he had an interesting answer here. There's a question posed uh, by someone I believe it was a I believe it was I can't remember who it was I, I would say the name but I, I'm afraid I'm going to get it wrong. Uh, it was a television person in state asking it's like all right quarterbacks you going to play two of them against uh, against Akron fans are going to want to know what this offense looks like what are you what are you doing? Here's what Harson says. He said yeah well. 
Come September 4th, I've done that before, and that's not out of the realm of possibility. Let's be clear, that's not what we're working towards right now. Right now, we're developing each quarterback to go out there and play the position and be the quarterback. I've used multiple quarterbacks for situational things because those guys deserve to play at that position. And I've coached some good players, some starters, and some backups before. And he goes on and talks about the, uh, the, the quarterbacks as a whole. The two-quarterback thing is going to be fascinating to see. I don't think they're going to want to do that. I think when you say, hey, you're going to play two quarterbacks against Akron, it's like, are you going to give T.J. Finley a shot as well? Maybe Demetrius Davis gets in behind Bo. But, dot, 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 it's not out of the question. So, I guess this is where it prompts the discussion. Do you think Auburn should try to make sure they get T.J. Finley and Demetrius Davis in the game against Akron? Or... Do we think it's better that if Bo Nix holds on to the job, locks it down, build up his confidence, build up his form, whatever you want to call it, by just letting him turn it loose in, 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 in the scrimmage? I see little downside in letting your number one quarterback take the overwhelming amount of snaps, but in my estimation, if Bo plays as I expect he will against lower-tier competition the first two games well for the first three quarters – like, what more are you going to learn about him? Maybe something. Maybe this shows my large amount of ignorance. But it's like, I would be absolutely okay with letting Bo get two and a half, three quarters under his belt. And then, yeah, let your other guys rip for a little while. I think you've got the two tune-up games anyway, so you should have a decent amount of tape anyway. While it will come as no surprise to people listening here that I think Bo will keep the job throughout the year... If that doesn't happen, it would be nice to have a little more intel on what it is those guys behind him offer. And of course, if he gets injured, I'd like to go into the whatever conference game it is, whatever game that you care about, with some actual information on those players. I'm all about letting him play a lot in his first two games, mm-hmm. but let the other guys get some time too. Uh, it went back to 2019, and it was looking at the non-conference schedule there, the, the easier games. I guess... You kind of forget a little bit, like, he didn't really light the world on fire in, in those not. It, it's not like Bo Nix has had one of those games where he's like, I have torn up a opponent that is weaker than me. Let's move on. His best games in 2019 came against Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and uh, Arkansas. He had he was 12 of 16 for 161 yards, which is not a ton, against Kent State, but they ran the ball 9 million times that game and hammered him. He was 19 of 37, which is just above 50% for 207 yards and a touchdown against Tulane that year. Later in the year when they played Sanford, 15 of 23 for 150 yards and a touchdown. So it's not like Bo Nix has had one of those games where it's just like, I've just let it rip against against a bad opponent. I mean, and it's part of what got the hype going for Jeremy Johnson was right. not just the Arkansas game. I think people forget about it's the, the Western NBA. Carolina game. Yeah, I mean, he had a couple of games where he filled in for Nick Marshall and crushed it. And then, obviously, last season, I mean, his best game comes against LSU. He had a stretch where against Ole Miss and, and Tennessee, he played particularly well. And then it you know went back down once the schedule picked back up again when he played Alabama and A&M and Northwestern down the stretch. Um, so, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm very curious to what ha- has happened. And Hartson's right. When he has used multiple quarterbacks in the past, it has been situationally. I don't know if there's a situational quarterback split between Bo Nix and, and, um, 
and TJ Finley because of the way TJ Finley plays. I think pocket passer and dual threat quarterback who's trying to be a better pocket passer is what you're getting in Finley and Knicks respectively. Now, could they see, hey, Demetrius Davis is pretty electric running the ball. Maybe we put in some packages for him, you know, a certain package and, and have Finley and, and Knicks kind of be the main guys or, you know, the one, two there. That might be a thing. Um, at Boise State, he had uh, Montel Cozart, uh, the former Kansas quarterback, who did some package stuff for them pretty well, and they balanced it all right. I think Finley, though, it's like it's not like TJ Finley's not one of those quarterbacks. You're like, we're putting him in because he's the Wildcat quarterback or he's the running quarterback. It's like, no, no, Bo's the runner <laughs> in that in that comparison. Bo's the runner, um, so. I, th- I found his answer to be very, very interesting because it's like, look, well, I'm not going to rule it out that I'll be using multiple quarterbacks. But he's like, we're just trying to find a starter here and, and prepare our guys to be the guy. And right now, Bo, he didn't say this. This is me, but right now, Bo is ahead of the curve right now. Uh, he's ahead of the pack. So, be interested. I mean, if Demetrius Davis continues to be a good playmaker, Maybe you try to get him do to do some certain things early on, but I think it's either going to be Knicks or Finley, and most likely Knicks to start. And I'm not and, sure what the advantages are. I mean, Harsing unless it's just like we're taking the whole unit out, like second string offense. You're in the game. Yeah, because with Davis, it's like well, he could offer you something in the way of another package, but I mean, Knicks is athletic and can run. Right. Oh. It'll 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 be it'll be interesting to track. I know I know some people were wondering like, could we see Finley? And look, it might be a thing where Finley does well enough. I mean, we're we're one week into camp. Finley might do well enough. The rest of camp is like, yeah, you deserve to get some time. Uh, as Harson said, like there are guys. Uh, let me let me pull that up, pull that open. He said, um, I've used multiple quarterbacks for situational things, and because guys deserve to play that position, you know if. TJ Finley looks like he's a guy that deserves to get some snaps. He'll get some snaps, but they want to have one guy. And then, you know, we'll see the variations off of that. So just something to look forward to because now we are less than three weeks away from the opener, which is kind of crazy to think about, but it's finally here. Thank finally. God. <laughs> finally. All right. We appreciate everybody listening. Uh, appreciate all the kind words and the reviews. Honestly, the all the the flood of reviews that we got this week was really cool to see because uh, one, it shows that we were follow that, that the instructions we uh, gave out were at least a little bit clear. Um, and uh, number two, yeah, we're vain. We'll we'll read nice things about our, our podcast, but uh, five stars written review. If you're enjoying the show, means a lot to us. Check out our friends and support what they've got going on in their various platforms. And uh, yeah, if you're listening to this podcast for free and want to jump on with the the Observer right now, right before football season, it's a perfect time. AuburnObserver.com, six dollars a month, sixty dollars a year. You'll get all the practice notes from last week uh, on the website. Anything else new we do comes to your inbox. You get an email every time there's a new podcast episode and the premium ones during the midweek. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you'll have access to all those scrimmage notes and the mailbag on Monday, which should be a pretty good one. Got a lot going on. Not sure what the schedule looks like for the week in terms of media, so we're going to have to play that by ear. But expect a, a good bit of good bit of coverage coming at the Observer. Let's wrap it up here. Painter, final thoughts. Two-time NBA champion, college golfer, J.R. Smith. Four. 
straight down the middle It went straight down the middle Then it started to hook just a wee, wee bit And that's when my caddy lost sight of it That little white pellet has never been found to this day But it went straight down the middle